If you will take your Bible and turn to Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The reading of God's word. May he bless it this morning. Amen. I want to say a couple things before we get into um, Matthew 28 this morning. A couple things I think is exciting that God is doing here in our church. Uh, This past week, Matt and I were getting our Awana order ready. And I would ask that you continue to pray for our Awana ministry. It looks like starting out with just the number of kids that we have coming back uh, that we know of, we will have somewhere in the neighborhood of 87 kids here on every Wednesday night. And uh, so that is a bit overwhelming. We are still always looking for Awana workers. And so if that is still something you would like to do, we will be having our training meeting on Wednesday night, August 12th. And so, uh, Awana leaders, please make sure you're here. We will start signing up for that next Sunday so that we don't have 87 parents trying to sign up kids um, that first night. And so next Sunday, immediately following this service, Matt and a couple of his workers will be in the back, and they will have things to sign up. You can actually get those sheets this morning at the breakfast, take them home, and I know how this works, but if you are responsible in this, you can take them home, fill them out, and bring them back next week, and it'll make it easier. But we will be signing up in the Sunday mornings, but please pray for that ministry. Um, 87 kids is very overwhelming, and it'll be a lot of noise and a lot of excitement, and we are looking forward to it, but it is a lot of responsibility And so please pray for that ministry as we get there. Also here on the front, we have some flyers for the Youth Fest that will be happening down here at Norris Creek. I will have been asked to preach that. Uh, Pilot Baptist Church puts that on, and I will be preaching that. And so I have heard a number of you ask about it and said, I didn't know you are preaching. So I'm just letting you know they're down here, teenagers. If you'd like to go to that, it's right. uh, The brochures are right there. Come on out. But uh, I'm excited about the opportunity to preach that as well. And so those are down there for you. We are finishing up our study of the call of Christ and what Christ calls us to be as his disciples, as followers of Christ. And so it is only fitting that we end here in Matthew chapter 28, 16 through 20. Um, I have purposefully, even in this study, tried to steer clear of Matthew some because I know that is where we are going here starting in the fall as Stephen starts walking us through Matthew, but it is... Uh, important for us to realize that the Matthew is talking about the king and his kingdom. And so as Matthew comes to the end here and is talking about the resurrection and here the Great Commission, a passage that we have often heard preached, and you have heard it a number of times. And so even in my study of this, I have been praying and hoping that this is something new and fresh that will encourage you as followers of Christ. And so we have looked at just to recap what we, where we've been, we started in Luke chapter 9 looking at three men, a scribe and two others that were called to have this singular focus, to leave all to follow Christ. In John chapter 4, we met a Samaritan woman at the well. 
But Jesus said, make me your satisfied longing, that I am this living water, that you, this, this would just satisfy the cravings that you have for other things. Mark chapter 10, we saw Jesus call a rich young ruler to make a sacrificial decision, sell all, give it to the poor, and follow me. There can be nothing else that is consuming your life as a follower of Christ. Get rid of that idolatry, follow me. Zacchaeus, we see a man who Jesus calls down from a tree to have a surrendered relationship with him. We see the change immediately in his life. We saw a blind man that was called to have a steadfast belief. Luke chapter 22, Peter is called to have a strengthened faith. Satan desired to have him. Nicodemus was called to have a spiritual birth. And here we are called to a specific commission. A specific commission. Let's start looking here in verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee. I want to see first the faith of the disciples. Jump back just a couple verses. Talking about the resurrection here in verse 9. And so here Jesus has just risen again. The women come to the tomb, and Jesus met them and said, Greetings, and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Tell, go and tell thy brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. And we see, as Matthew is portraying here, that Jesus tells the women, Go tell your brothers, tell the disciples to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. In verse 16, the eleven disciples went to Galilee. And we see even here, and to the mountain which Jesus had directed him, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. There There was still some confusion about what was going on, what had happened. Jesus had risen again. We know from other gospels there were other things that happened between these two events. But here we see the faith of the disciples. You even see the faith of the disciples. If you look at verse 11, while they were going, while these women were going, behold, some of the guards went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell the people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. If we are going to keep this great commission, as it is called, If we are going to follow Christ in obeying the great commission, this specific commission, we must have faith in Jesus Christ. We must have faith in who he is. We must have faith in what he has said. And here we see the disciples, even as the chief priests are paying off the guards, the disciples' faith was strong enough that what? They could be the fall guys for the deception of the resurrection. Think about this. If they had no faith and the disciples weren't dedicated in following Christ, there was no reason for the chief priest to say, yeah, tell them these disciples came. They'd be like, dude, nobody's going to believe that. And we have seen the disciples fail. We have just seen the disciples' faith waver. But here the women come and say, hey, go to Galilee. And in verse 16, the 11 disciples went to Galilee. A disciple has faith when they may not understand. Some of them doubted, and yet they went to Galilee. But the faith of the disciples 
is built because they are following one that is worthy of worship. Look what it says specifically. The women came in verse 9. And they took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Go over to verse 17. And when they, the disciples, those that had gone to Galilee, saw him, they worshipped him. Folks, your faith will only be as strong as the thing in which you have placed your worship. Let me say that again. Your faith will only be as strong as it is in the thing that you have placed your worship. Man, we can put our faith and our worship in a lot of things. You may put it in people. You may put it in a husband. You may put it in a wife. You may be like the Samaritan woman, right? All her faith was what in what? Relationships. And what did she find out very quickly? People will fail you. You can put it in things. Guess what you're going to find out real quickly? Things will fail you. And here... Their faith was in something that was worthy of worship. God himself. That had come in the flesh. That had now died, was buried, and overcame death in the grave. Overcame sin for them. They could put their worship in him. This was God. Listen. The Jews were not ones to put their wor- that take their worship lightly. If you, if you turn over in Acts chapter 10, verse 25, as Peter was even preaching, the centurion comes and begins to worship him. And what does Peter say? Acts 10, 26, he says, Hey, oh, don't worship me. I too am just a man. Peter says, I'm not worthy of worship. I'm a man just like you are. But Peter here is worshiping Jesus because he knows Jesus is more than a man. Jesus is God. Here they come and begin to worship him. Simon Peter worships him. Why? Because Matthew 16, 16, he made the statement, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. It's kind of funny, Matt and I were talking about this Friday and I came, he told me about this quote. I had read it before and then even in my study I came across it. But even as we think about the Great Commission, and as I was studying this, John Piper put it this way, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church, worship is. Mission exists because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate. And as I was studying this passage, we see twice here this idea of worship. Why are they going to go and keep the Great Commission Because they realize who it is they are worshiping. Why are these men going to go and give their life for this great commission? Because it is who they are worshiping. He is worthy of all our worship. But folks, if there is no worship, there will be no proclamation. Listen to me. If there is no worship in our life, there will be no proclamation. How we keep 
the Great Commission is going to be a direct reflection on who we worship. And so as we study this Great Commission, understand well, when we say things like, man, I, that, that going to telling people about Jesus and, and confronting them with the gospel and telling people about the, that, that's just not for me. What if somebody slams the door? What if somebody says no? What if they think I'm crazy? Then the question is, who are you worshiping? It's not whether you've been called or not. It's not whether you've been given a specific commission as a follower of Christ. The question really becomes, who are you worshiping? And in those moments, and listen, it happens to me a lot. Anybody have those moments you're standing at the store? Mine happened just a couple weeks ago at the beach. I was sitting there talking to this elderly gentleman. And he's talking about, uh, he, you know, he's watching our kids everywhere and he's talking about how great kids are and how good, you know, great we have it. And, and so we're having this conversation and he was from the Northeast. He had just moved down to North Myrtle Beach and we're having this discussion. He said, yeah, my kids haven't had, um, haven't had grandkids yet. He said, I'm waiting for the day. He said, actually my wife or my daughter did have a, a grandchild, but uh, in the birth process, the doctor messed up and the baby died. And he said, I tell my daughter all the time, I've spent more money making sure that baby went to heaven than I would have spent on it if it would have lived. And in those moments, what are you doing? Okay, forget you. I'm sure you're, you're a whole lot better than me. What am I doing? All right, what can I say? And what's he going to think when I say it? And what's he going to think about what I say? Man, I don't know if I should say anything, shouldn't say anything. And he's rambling on and on and on. And, and, you, and you're having these battles. Anybody ever been there? What are we battling over? Folks, what we're battling over is who we're really going to worship. Is it going to be me and what I look like in front of this gentleman and the other hundred people that are standing around us that are going to hear this conversation? Or am I really worshiping Christ? Here we see in this passage, the Great Commission is really about who are we worshiping. When they saw him, they worshiped him, verse 17, and some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given me. We saw the faith of the disciples here. I want to see the Lord of the disciples. Jesus is yet some ways off. They see him and they begin to worship. And then the Bible says, and he comes to them and he makes this statement. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given me. He is definitely making a a statement that there has been a change. There has been a change from who he was in Isaiah 53 when it says he was despised and rejected by men. He's going to be a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. One from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. That is who Jesus was as he dies on the cross for our sins. But now that he has, been, he has risen again, he is making a declaration to the disciples, all authority, heaven and earth has been given me. Folks, this is the guy you want on your team. Right? This is a guy you want on your side. You want him 
to be your friend. This is the guy we should be worshiping. This is the one that we should be following. This is the one that we should be sacrificing everything for. Why? Because he has all authority, heaven and earth. The demons and devils of hell have no authority over him. Even as we studied Simon Peter just a couple weeks ago, Simon, Simon, Satan desires to have you, but Peter, guess what? The guy that is on your side has all authority, heaven and earth. Satan has no authority over you. Satan has no authority over this one. Why? Because Jesus, as God, has all authority. Culture. Our society, no matter what they say and no matter how they try to rearrange the truth and no matter how they try to twist what the morals and values of people, listen, God is not somehow losing the battle to our culture and society. He still has all authority. And before Jesus is going to give this commission to his disciples, he is making sure that they understand that they are on the right side. This is who they are worshiping. This is who they are following. We hear cries all the time. Who do you think you are to be able to say that you have truth? That your Bible, this book, is truth. How are you to make that judgment. You know why? Because the one that gave us this book has all authority. He is the ultimate authority. How can you declare that you have truth? Because he is the ultimate truth. We can make that statement. Why? Because Jesus has all authority. We do not serve a God that is somehow battling other gods for supremacy. Jesus is not what the Mormons contend that he is this once a man that has come into this godhood. He's not quite God the Father yet, but he is gutting up the ladder. That's not what he's claiming. All authority. Heaven and earth. This is Jesus. The King of kings. The Lord of lords. and The one that all will one day stand before. He will be the judge. This is the one worthy of our worship. But interestingly enough, as he gets to this great commission, and you can imagine as the disciples are standing here, and here is the risen Lord, the one that they have followed, that is saying, all authority, heaven and earth, has been given me. And you're like, yes. This is is the life of ease, right? I mean, this is where he's going to say, and, and, and I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll take and write the gospel across the sky with a blue billy goat, and everybody will just know it. Or everybody that's ever born, I will, I will tattoo it on their arm. Or I will send angels to give and share the gospel. Man, all authority, you are on the winning side, and this is now going to be this life of luxury and this life of ease. Isn't that what you're expecting here? Right? When, you pick a, when you're picking a team... You used to be out on the playground. You're picking a basketball team or a kickball team. You pick the best players. Why? One, because we all like to win. Two, when you get the best players, you get to kind of take it easy, right? 
Nobody ever played kickball. All right. I was the only one. Anybody ever pick last? I'm just kidding. You don't have to raise your hand to that. We picked the best players. Why? Because, man, it's great. I remember when I played soccer and I was in a, a city soccer league in sixth grade. I was not real good at soccer. The only thing I could do is kick the ball a long way. And so they put me in the back right in front of the goalie and said, if the ball ever comes to you, just kick it as hard as you can. Got it. But we won the city championship that year. And it wasn't because of my soccer skills. We happened to have four Hispanics on our team that were awesome. Best players in the league. You know what I found out real quick? When you have the best players in the league, guess what you have to do? Nothing. One was the goalie. The other three scored 50,000 goals, and I just stood in the back and kicked the ball as hard as I could. I never had to run. I liked soccer at that point. Why? I never had to move. I just stood there and kicked the ball. It was great. Folks, listen. When it comes to being a follower of Christ, understand Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. But... Jesus didn't decide that somehow he was going to do some miraculous thing to get the gospel out. Jesus, with all authority in heaven and on earth, did what? Commissioned his disciples, his followers, to go and share this news. Jesus could have done anything, he's got all authority. He could have sent the angels to tell people about the gospel. But Jesus, with all his authority, has a plan. And his plan is to use his people to share his gospel. Look at the commission of the disciples. He says, verse 19. Therefore, because I have all authority, go, therefore, And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Folks, circle that word, therefore. Because you can't lose sight of the fact in verse 19 that the commission of the disciples is directly related to the fact that the one that we are going to, to... bear witness of, the one we're going to testify of, is the one that has all authority. As soon as we hear verse 19 and 20, we kind of like to forget verse 18, but they're directly tied together. Because he has all authority in heaven and earth has been given him, therefore, go. We are on the winning side. We have the one that has all authority. Therefore, go. Now, there's debate about this being a participle and it's not an imperative. And so it's kind of this, as you are going, whenever you decide to go. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. This is the same language of when he said to the man, take up your bed and walk. Go. He's He's not saying when you decide to get up and grab your bed, then just take a hike. No, he's saying, take up your bed, go, take the bed, and walk. And what he's saying here is, hey, we as followers of Christ are supposed to be people of action. As we are going, go, get out there, and do what? Make 
disciples. In Matthew's gospel and in our study of the call of Christ, we have seen that a disciple is not merely someone that secures a nominal adherence to a group. Listen to that again. A disciple is not someone who just secures a nominal adherence to a group. For too long in Christianity, we have had this idea that the Great Commission is this thing where we go get people to either to come to church or to pray this prayer, and then they go off and do whatever it is they do. That is not a follower of Christ. A follower of Christ is not just someone who shows up for an hour on Sunday morning to sit in the pew and walk out the door and nothing has changed and there is no dedication to Him and there is no commitment to Him and there is no focus on Him the rest of the week and yet we call ourselves Christians which we see uh, in all over America. That is not a disciple. So let's get it out of our head that what Jesus is calling us to do here is go and get people to come to church once in a while with us and say we have fulfilled the Great Commission. What the Great Commission is not is just calling somebody to pray this prayer and say, well, we had another one saved. Check it off our checklist as a church and let's move on. That is not the Great Commission. He's saying what it is, is to make disciples. A disciple is a follower and a learner. A disciple is one that will wholeheartedly be committed to Christ. That, we, that, that he, Christ will become his singular focus, that he will forsake all to follow him. That is what we are going and should be making. And it is one that will follow and constantly learn from Jesus. Here's the problem, folks. We will never make disciples if we are not a disciple. For too long, it has been easy, even in my life, to sit in the pew and think, somehow I have arrived. You will not be willing to go out and die for the Great Commission and die for the commission of Christ if you aren't willing to live for Him. If you are not a constant learner and follower of Christ, you will never make learners and followers of Christ. And so we are to go and make disciples. We are supposed to be calling people to be followers of Christ. Folks, listen, this is not easy. It is not easy to call them, and it is not easy to be a follower of Christ. Wednesday nights, the kids have been watching videos from Voice of the Martyrs on people who have given all to follow Christ, even their life. Spending years in prison away from their families. Being beaten and killed for the gospel. And yet they will not recant. Folks, realize that is just not something that has happened in the past. That is happening daily in our world today. We are to be making disciples where in all nations. The commission of a disciple is a commission to call it action. It's a commission to the nations. It should start at home. Even as Jesus commissioned him in Acts 1.8 to go to Jerusalem, 
Judea and the other parts, uh, uttermost parts of the earth. It does start at home. It is a call to us as a church, and it should start here, but it seems to me that there are two kinds of people oftentimes in this discussion. One that thinks everything should happen at home. All our money, all our efforts, everything should happen here in Bun. And we should just pour it in and pour it in and pour it in to our community. The other side of that is that there are those that say, man, let's go to the nations. Why? Because they like the missions trips. They like to go to the other side of the world. And it's, I mean, you're never going to see these people again. So what happens if they think you're a complete moron, right? Oh, you're just one of those Bible bangers. It really doesn't matter. Because we all know some of the hardest people to share the gospel with are who? Family. Neighbors. People you're going to see all the time. Right? You don't want them to think bad of you. Now, if you go on a mission trip and you go to Baltimore, you got to go, you know, I mean, they're never going to see me again, probably. So what difference does it make? You have both sides of that. But folks, let me tell you this. You can do service in Bun. You can do service in Baltimore. And you can do service in Uganda and never be making disciples. Listen to me. Disciple-making is intentional. You can go on a mission trip. Hey, there's, there's, there's plenty of secular charity groups that go over and serve in Uganda and Haiti and these places and never make disciples. And there are plenty of mission trips that go to these places and never make disciples. There are maybe plenty of churches And Christians that serve in their community that has nothing to do with making disciples. Folks, if we are going to be disciple-making followers of Christ, it has got to be intentional. It has to be intentional at home. Husbands, it has got to be intentional with your wife. It has got to be parents, intentional with your kids. It's got to be intentional with your neighbors. It's got to be intentional at the grocery store. You go to Baltimore here in a couple weeks, those of you that are going on the trip, you can go to Baltimore and see the sites and and serve a community on this day, and you can go to church with them and never have any intention of making disciples. Those of you that are going to Uganda, you can go to Uganda and play with the kids and help minister in, 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 to their needs uh, through the nursing and that kind of thing and never have a desire or an intention to make disciples. Making disciples has got to be intentional. It's got to be a singular focus that is once again pointing back to who we are. Worship. Because folks, it doesn't take long in any conversation to find out very quickly what and who people worship. Right? Get with a grandmother. And she'll start talking and pretty soon, she what? You get to hear about all 62 great grandkids. Right? Whether you know them or not. 
Or you get to go hear about the ball team. Or you get to hear about this. You get to hear about that. It's very quickly you find out what people worship. I wonder if people listen to our conversation, if any of us in here, through our conversation, they say, man, they just can't stop talking about this Jesus. But folks, discipleship has got to be intentional. The goal of the commission is to call people to be a disciple. Call them to baptize. This public declaration that they are followers of Christ as we saw just this past week. We aren't calling people to be secret disciples. Know that they would be baptized, that they would make the public declaration, I am going to follow Christ. Now in America, that, that, that necessarily isn't such a big deal. Right? But you go over to some of our missionaries in the Middle East, and you know what? When you get baptized, guess what? Your family disowns you. Hey, we are to call people to publicly acknowledge that I am a follower of Christ. But then our job, our job there is not done. Look what it says. And teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, I've listened to a number of sermons on this passage in this past uh, two weeks. I've studied a lot of commentaries. I haven't heard a whole lot on this. But Jesus, if you just take Jesus' commands in the Gospels, there are over 50 commands. To do things like love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your enemies. Honor your father and mother. Forgive those that sin against you. Repent. There's over 50 commands. And so what the Great Commission is not just this, let's get people in the door of our church, maybe even uh, get saved and, and be baptized, and then, man, we've done the Great Commission, now we can settle back and realize that we're these great followers of Christ. No, discipleship is what? Making disciples means that I continue to help them learn what it is to follow Christ. What did Paul say in 1 Corinthians 11.1? 1, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Teaching them to observe all these commands. One demands that we are living a life that is an, as an imitator of Christ. You say, well, I'm not perfect. No, none of us are. And that's not what Paul is saying. But Paul in his good conscience could say, you know what? To the best of my ability as God is working in me and in my conscience, I can look at it and say, you know what? I am following Christ. I wonder as your kids see you respond at home with your spouse, if you could say, you know what? Kids, follow me as I follow Christ. I wonder if the way you forgive in your home or you forgive those that have sinned against you, if your neighbors, if your community would say, yeah, that is following Christ. He says, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. Be intentional to teach. 
be constantly teaching. And so the real question then is, who are we discipling? Are we intentionally discipling somebody to follow Christ? You say, yeah, bring them to church. Listen, you're not going to get all the commands of Christ in one hour or two hours on a Sunday morning. It's not going to happen. We don't send our kids to school two hours a week because they're going to figure all of algebra out in two hours a week. Right? Kids say, yeah. No. Why? Because you wouldn't get it. Then why is it that as followers of Christ, so many times our Bibles are open for maybe 30 minutes on a Sunday morning when the preaching happens? And maybe for 45 minutes in Sunday school? And then it goes on the shelf and we blow the dust off the next Sunday and say, well, we're going to learn about the teachings of Christ again. That is not discipleship. We as followers of Christ, just because you're saved and just because you're baptized and just because you're a member of the church does not mean we sit back and do nothing until Jesus takes us home. Jesus, the one with all authority and could have done it any way he wanted, said this is how the gospel is going to go forth to the nations. I'm going to commission my people to go and make disciples. So my question is, how are you doing? How am I doing? If I handed out a sheet of paper and said, write down one person you're discipling on a consistent basis to follow the commands of Christ, how many of us could write a name that we are intentionally discipling? Folks, we, as followers of Christ, should be faithful in making disciples. Why? Because that is who we worship. And that is who is worthy of all our worship. Lastly, I want to look at the comfort of the disciple. Verse 19 and 20, even as we talk about it this morning, make us uneasy don't they? Man, I don't know, Steve. I don't know that I can go out and share the gospel like I should. I, man, I just don't know if, I mean, what are people going to say? What's my neighbor going to say? What's my family going to members going to say? Do people really want to be disciples? Should I, am I the person for discipleship? Do I live a life that I could say as Paul does, imitate me as I imitate Christ? Be a, let me demonstrate for you what it is to be a follower of Christ. I don't know how I could do that, Steve. I don't, man, this is just a little bit overwhelming. There's comfort in this passage. It started in verse 18. Don't forget, you can do this because the one you are worshiping and the one you are following has all authority. Heaven and earth. Numero uno. God, the creator, power over sin, power over death. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear the judgment. We don't have to fear hell. We don't have to fear any of these because he has authority over all of those. And behold, verse 20, I am with you sometimes when you might need it the most. No, he says, I am with you always. 
to the end of the age. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Listen, I'm done. So when you go to make disciples of the nations, you're going under the umbrella of the one that has all authority. And you say, yeah, that's great. That's great. But what if I'm off over here? No, no, no. He has all authority and he is always with you. When you are standing there at food line trying to make a disciple, sharing the gospel with somebody, guess who's already there? The one that has all authority. When you go to your next door neighbor, who's already there? The one that has all authority. When you're standing there knocking on a door and you're nervous whether they're going to slam the door or not, or you're making that phone call and you're nervous whether they're going to hang up or you or not, don't lose sight of the fact that the one with all authority is already there. He is with you. Until I hit retirement age and then I don't have to worry about it anymore? No, 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 no. To the end of the age the one with all authority is always with you listen you are not making disciples on your own neither you nor I have the power to make disciples as we saw last week we can't we can't do the work for people to be born again All we can do is be faithful in doing the task that God has given us. And guess what? The one with all authority, heaven and earth, is sitting there with us. He is doing the work. He is already there. He is with us, giving us the words to say, working on the heart of that person. And when we say, man, I just don't know that it will work. I don't know that that one can get saved. I don't know. Man, that's a pretty tough cookie right there. Then you know what we are doubting? We are not doubting us as much as we are doubting the one who we are following who are we are to be worshiping and what we are doubting is whether he really has all authority or not whether he truly can save folks salvation baptism church membership is not the end We don't get the freedom to just sit in our pews and do nothing until Jesus takes us home or until he comes back. We have been given a specific commission. And my question to each of us this morning is how are we doing at making disciples? How involved are we in making disciples and teaching them to follow his commands, what he has commanded us? Is it because of our worship and who we worship? Is it because we somehow lack the faith to truly believe that he has all authority? The comfort of the disciples is the one with all authority is always with you. Let's go forth and take the commission of Christ to go to the nations. Be intentional in making disciples. Whether it's here in Bunn, whether you're going to Baltimore, whether you're going to Uganda, whether you're going down the street to Zebulun. Make disciples.